But at the same time, you know, I had entered wellness through my own personal healing journey. I found a lot of personal well-being in these practices. And our, and our goal was to deliver a book for the person, and this is us, and we're in this business, who has 15 to 30 minutes. That's all they have. You know, they're busy, whether it's children, whether it's spouse, whether it's life, life's commitments. This was the goal of the book. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. So hear me out. What if wellness could be enjoyable and joyful? What if the lifestyle habits and rituals that you did every single day not only extended your lifespan and health span, but also made you feel really good? Now, this has been a personal quest of mine to love the healthy habits that I do every single day. And it's no surprise that I often lean on the things that I love to do most, like walking out in nature after eating a meal, exercising, meditation, especially before I go to bed at night, connecting with friends in real life, and eating metabolically nourishing foods. So I want to know really quickly, as you're listening to this, what are healthy habits that honor your overall well-being and bring you joy and to help you feel good? Are there habits that you do every single day that just feel good inside, that it really inspires you to keep doing those habits. Well, today, I want you to just continue to double down on that because you deserve to feel joyful in the habits that you do that make up a big part of your everyday life. Now, because this is an area that I love to explore more, I couldn't wait to get my hands on this new book that we're talking about today, The Joy of Wellbeing, written by co-founders of Mind Body Green. Jason and Colleen Wackab. And let me tell you, I loved reading this book. I actually have read this book almost twice now because being founders of Mind Body Green, they obviously are exposed to every single health trend you could possibly imagine, right? Everything comes their way. And what I loved about their approach was that it was refreshing and it was designed around feeling good, that they approached well being and longevity with their perspective of enjoyment, and living your best life. Now, before we dive into this really incredible conversation with Jason and Colleen, I want to quickly sing their praises. So as I mentioned before, Jason and Colleen Wakab are co-founders, co-CEOs of MindBodyGreen, which is the leading independent media brand dedicated to well-being with 15 million monthly unique subscribers. I bet you are one of them. I bet you have visited the MindBodyGreen website yourself before. And they both, before they decided to do Mind Body Green, they had amazing careers and also had some pretty big health concerns that came up. Each have their own amazing, remarkable story that we're actually going to get into in today's podcast episode and that they go fully into inside of the book. So without further ado, I want to just get them onto the show. Let's welcome Jason and Colleen. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Colleen and Jason. How are you guys doing today? We're, we're doing great. My lovely, uh, sunny, sunny, hot. We'll take it. <laughs> I love it. So I want to just start because I've read the book almost twice now. I just I love it. I I love. 
I love the philosophy. I love where you guys are coming from. I love the realness. I love the practicality of it. Um, the joy of well-being. That's the book. And what you know, given that you guys are you interview so many experts, you have so many experts on Mind Body Green. You know, the, your your beautiful website platform. You know, what was the inspiration? for wanting to write this book to really get your message about wellness out there? Well, there were definitely more than a few quote unquote whys on this one. Uh, For me in a personal level, uh, men in my family have a terrible track record with longevity. My father died of heart disease at 47. My two grandfathers died prematurely, one from heart disease at 49, the other from cancer at 44, 48. And uh, we have two little girls, age six and four. And so I want to be around for a long time. And it's something I I think a lot about. And I'm very blessed in that I have access to incredible doctors and many experts. And what's so exciting to me is I look at the evolution of Mind, Body, Green and the health and wellness conversation over the last 13 years is, you know, one, I'm not unique. I think a lot of people have a family history they're not excited about, whether it's cardiovascular disease or cognitive decline or whatever it might be, everyone's got something. But the science is pretty clear that through lifestyle modification and intervention, there's a lot you can do. And what's so great about the science too is much of what you can do is low cost or no cost and takes little time and effort. And the huge objection to health and wellness to our world is, I don't have the time, I don't have the resources, and I don't know if it's going to work. And we're at a place where I think we can help you and we can get you 80% there. I think the last 20%, you know, you're going to have to spend a little bit more time, money. This is where personalization comes in. But like, we think we can get you 80% there. And in the context of this conversation, it's evolved from this concept of longevity, so like extending or lifespan, extending number of years, which I think we are, we're all excited about. That was the 1.0. And the 2.0 is health span. So that's extending the number of years with an absence of disease because no one wants to live to 100 and have 70 years of living great and then 30 years you know, suffering from disease and not being mobile, and fit, and et cetera. So that idea is health span is let's extend life for 99 years, 11 months, 30 days and feel fit and mobile and active and then rapidly decline overnight. <laughs> and we like the 3.0, we call joy span. You know, what's the point of doing all of this if you're not happy, if you're not, you know, enjoying your relationships, if you're not in, you know, if, if you're a place where no one likes to talk with you, I think you'd be pretty miserable. And so we really respond to this word joy. Then there's the word wellness, which Colleen is a point of view around. Yeah. I mean, part of writing the book was because there is just such a cacophony of voices right now that we have such a complicated relationship with the word wellness. And when Wine Betty Green was started, the word wellness wasn't really part of the zeitgeist. Sure, the word existed, but it wasn't how we described the collective of experts that really drove the growth and evolution of Mind Body Green. And when I look at it now, there's so many voices, there's so much noise. I look at the complicated morning routines that are on Instagram, and I'm like, I don't have time for this. At the other end of the spectrum is kind of the bro wellness, um, which you know doesn't speak to me either. Doesn't speak to me. Or my audience. So, you know, but at the same time, you know, I had entered wellness through my own personal healing journey. I found a lot of personal 
well-being in these practices. So there was a very intentional decision not to call this book The Joy of Wellness because the way we see wellness now at the cacophony of voices, it's about optimization. There's a rigidity to the protocols. And how do we shift the conversation to be more about well-being, which comes from a place of abundance. It's a little more uh, practical to one's life and lifestyle and comes at it with more grace and it's all about the journey and um, less about the protocol. And our, and our goal was to deliver a book for the person. And this is us. And we're in this business who has 15 to 30 minutes. That's all they have. You know, they're busy, whether it's children, whether it's spouse, whether it's life, life's commitments. This is this was the goal of the book. And because it's it's overwhelming. And National Quitters Day at the gym was January 13th this year. We lasted 13 days. Why? Because we make commitments that don't fit into our existing lifestyle. It's about adding and not editing or integration. And we're big believers in integration, operating from a place of abundance, and really make making well-being work for you and not you working for well-being. I love that. I well, that's exactly what the book really does embody is the practicality of it. And and what I love about it is that you, as you're even sharing some of the things that you know the research really backs up, you guys are very honest about like, well, it's not for us right now. As great as the research is, it's just not we're it's not gonna work for us in this moment in our life, in the journey that we're in right this second. But we still wanna offer it. You know, and it, there was very few things like that inside of the book. But even then, you were just like, yeah, but we're not doing it personally. <laughs> it's got to bring you joy. If it doesn't bring you joy, when when push comes to shove with your life's commitments, you're probably going to drop it. And where we sit today, there are so many practices, modalities, modifications that you can find enough that work for you and bring you joy. If you don't like it, probably don't have to do it. Yeah. And of course, you know, this is coming from, from people who are very far along on their wellness journey. You know, that's not to say that the first time, you know, do you decide to eat healthy? The first time that plate is packed full of fiber or the first time you go to the, the gym or go on a long walk that you're like, this is joyful. There's a certain amount of motivation and discipline that's required. But as you know, once you get to that 80% place, then yeah, the decision should be about joy. And you know, the specific example we bring up in the book is cold plunges, all the rage on TikTok, all the rage on social media. So many people swear by them. You know, there's science is great. There's also mental resilience benefits of it. You know, as a mom of two young kids and, and a working entrepreneur, I am not looking to invite more stress into my life. In fact, that is the opposite of what I'm trying to do right now. So that protocol doesn't work for me, but you know, we're all adults. We can all understand kind of what our unique bio-individual needs are and, and tailor our own well-being programs to it. And I think one of the hardest, you know, kind of parts on this well-being journey is to understand that you are the CEO of your own health and well-being. There are so many, there is such a cornucopia of amazing information and practitioners and healers and all sorts of different advice. But at the end of the day, you know your body best, you know what it needs, and you know what you'll actually do. Hmm. That's yeah, I love it. That's why I brought you guys on. My audience is like, oh, that's what that's what we stand for over here. <laughs> 
Um, well, I want to dive a little bit into it, and I want to speak into. I also want to dive a little later into what are your joy well-being practices, just so we can hear a little bit. And I bet a lot of people have been asking you that, but I'm just curious. Um, but before that, I would love to dive a little bit into food. I loved the chapter. I loved the the many facets of that particular part of the book where you kind of looked at. I mean, obviously, a lot of philosophies out there, a lot of schools of thought. But I would love for you to share a little bit about where you landed especially with all the people you've interviewed and all the stuff that's happening with metabolic health um, and, you know, in, even the stats around metabolic dysfunction, you know, where we're kind of landing. Um, wh- what were some of the biggest tenants that you guys really walked away from that you chose to put into the book? Well, you're absolutely right. We believe in bioindividuality and this idea that you need to find the right diet for you. And we also, on that, with that said, we encourage everyone to do some baseline blood work to get an understanding of how they respond to certain foods. You know, there are some people who, you know, look at a piece of meat and their lipid panel goes through the roof, and there are other people who eat meat all day and they're totally fine. And one of the examples we use to prove this point are our two friends, Mark Siston and Rich Roll. Mark is 69, turning 70. He's almost a carnivore and is in fantastic shape. Oh yeah, I just saw Insta post or whatever on a bike. I was like, dang, Mark. Yeah. It's working for him. And then Rich Bull is 56 and hundred percent plant-based and it works for him. And what do these people have in common? Not much other than they work out a ton, probably too much, and they don't eat a lot of processed food. And I think that's where everyone can kind of agree. And the consequences are dire. There's a study out of France that showed an increase of 10% of ultra ultra processed food. Yeah, increased mortality risk by 14%. And two-thirds of all calories consumed here by children are ultra-processed food. Yeah, I was going to say 66 67%. Yeah, and so eat real food. That's a big one for us. You know, we're fiber deficient. Fiber is an area where we should focus on. But, you know, I think that that's really hard to disagree with. And everyone should get a baseline understanding of their lab work and what they respond to and try to eat real food. I love it. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I remember reading one of Michael Pollan's book back in 2009, you know, like eat real food, um, not too much, and mostly plants. And then I know Robert Lustig is, you know, protect the gut or feed the gut, protect the liver. Those are, those are really my tenets of like, how do we, but yeah, I mean, even with our children, I think about, you know, I, I scrutinize labels for my son, you know, and, and I'm like, I really shouldn't even be looking at labels at all, but he's a toddler. And, and look, processed food happens. It happens in our house. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happens when we travel. It happens with our kids. It's a reality of life. I just think it's something you want to be mindful of. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah, and the in the least amount of it as possible, especially when it comes to. I mean, gosh, almost all of our food processed. Eggs. I mean, almond milk. I mean, if you think about it, like even the things that I would consider like mainstays in my house, well, that's it's processed. And so, yeah, it's just. You know, how unprocessed can we become is really the name of the game. And that's a big thing that I talk about on my show. And I think it's about, you know, ensuring that eating is a joyful experience. You know, you don't want to feed foods that your body doesn't agree with. And, you know, some of us have a range of intolerances or foods that just don't work for us. But once you move beyond that, you know, let's bring the joy back to eating, do it with friends and rituals and have it be a community. And it should be one of the things we, we tr- that truly brings us joy in life. I want to move to, let's talk a little bit about friends and community. That was another big part of the book, because I know that lots of research is showing that we are more alone than ever before. 
and that's having detrimental effects on our overall well-being, especially our mental well-being today more than ever. And I know that you guys talked a lot about in the book, probably some of the scary stats that I read in the book were those. So can you spend a little bit of time on not only some of the research that you found and, and how we can, what are ways that we can really improve this, but then how are you guys doing it also in your life? Is it just within your family or are you intentionally making time with friends and family as well? Sure. I'm glad you brought this up. I think the loneliness epidemic and mental health epidemic are, are very real and they're scary and they're top of mind for us. And I'll share some of the statistics. There are so many. I'll share a couple because they're scary. And I, I don't want to be a downer here. Uh, one in seven men don't have a single friend. One in 10 women don't have a single friend. A quarter of the population under the age of 30 is lonely. And so, okay, we've got a loneliness problem. Well, what are the implications with regards to our health and longevity? Well, there was a study out of Utah, of BYU, that suggested that smoking 15 cigarettes a day is equivalent to being lonely. And okay, that's pretty bad. Well, it's it, being lonely is twice as twice as worse as having six drinks a day. That's 42, 42 drinks a week, three times three times as worse as being immobile, four times as worse as being obese. So we have a problem here. We need to reach out. We need to connect with people. We need to be empathetic. Uh, and we need to get back in touch. We are, as humans, we really need meaningful IRL connection. That was the thing you said was in real life. And I was thinking a lot of my friends moved after the pandemic or during the pandemic to Austin. And I, I'm we're, we're staying here in North County, San Diego. Um, and so it was really interesting when this happened because these are my best friends, my my pack. You know, these were these were the friends that we were with each other during the pandemic pretty much almost every day. And so when I was reading this chapter, and I've been knowing this. I was really praying that we, my girlfriends and I, we leave voice memos every single day with each other. And it's the most fun experience to get a voice memo back because I never know when it's going to happen. And I know that it's not as powerful as this FaceTime or Zoom or in real time. But, I, you know, I know that for some of us, like that's the best we can do right now. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you probably hit the nail on the head of, you know, doing what's the best you can do right now. And, you know, this is a place where we wish there was more dialogue. We look at the well-being world and there's so much conversation around nutrition. There's so much conversation around exercise. And then there's so many influencers like further spreading nutrition and movement kind of gospels, but we want to see that same sort of impact in the connection space because it can have such a huge impact on your own health and well-being. And it's something that, you know, we, we both have said we've needed to work on. Frankly, it's some, it's a muscle that, you know, has to go to the connection gym and get strengthened just like everything else that we do within life. And there's a wonderful Wall Street Journal article about the intentionality that so many women are putting towards these type of, if you can do it, IRL KPIs of getting together. Because sometimes we do have to kind of put ourselves a little bit outside of what's natural and feels comfortable in order to get that pattern restarted in life. You know, after COVID, so many of us kind of had those natural moments that were already woven into our lives. And now we need to restart it and putting KPIs and tracking it like a business metric so that it actually happens in your life and that we don't leave it up to chance or co coincidence to get together IRL because it has such a different impact on your brain and your oxytocin yeah, it's something men are terrible at. Men are definitely far worse than women. They tend to lose touch and take on the friends of their of their spouses if, if they're married. 
Uh, and it's something I've had to work on. I had so many friends uh, coming out of college in New York and we all hung out together and then 30s started to lose touch and, you know, marriage and then kids in their 40s. And so this is an area where, you know, I'm probably the worst one in my friend group at, at keeping in touch. And as Sarah Perel had some great advice on this, which I've, I've used and have had success. It's a simple text message or DM saying, you know, hey, hey, so-and-so, it's been, it's been too long, been thinking about you for X, Y, or Z, would love to catch up. Let me know what works. And it's that simple. There's no awkward silence like it used to be a long time ago when you had to pick up a phone. Uh, and you'd probably be surprised by the response and you can gauge whether or not someone wants to reconnect. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. That's something I've had to work on. I love that. Yeah. And I love that suggestion in the book of just like, it doesn't have to be that complicated. It's just like, Hey, I've been thinking about you. I miss you. What have you been up to? Love to, love to follow up, love to catch up. And I think the other thing that you guys said is like you said, KPIs, which again, I think about our business, like how much are we in our business? Because we love what we do. Like we, I'm meeting, I'm meeting those KPIs. I'm meeting those deliverables, you know, for my team. And we are not scheduling out real-time interaction like we're scheduling whatever we're doing in work. And so we treat it like that. Like, I believe you guys said, like, get it on the calendar. Like, get it on the calendar, just like you're getting everything else on the calendar. Talk to me a little bit about, even with your girls, the time you're spending with them. And because that's even, I know that that's not friendship connection, but that's even connection. Like how, how the kind of quality time that you're spending with your family. We spend a lot of time together. That's for sure. Our husband and wife and work together. <laughs> My husband and I have worked together too. So I get it. You know, I, I think with kids, you know, what we try, and again, this is a work in progress, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. We, we try to be present physically. And then also the challenge sometimes is like be present mentally. Because often, you know, you're with them in the physical sense, but like, are you really there? Are you, re are you thinking about work? Are you checking email? You're looking at social media? Like, are you really, yeah, are you really there? And look, that's an area I need to get better at. I'm trying to be more mindful of it. I'm also trying to, you know, catch myself when I'm doing that and remind myself, like, they're at this young age where they want to hang out with us. That's probably not going to be the case in 10 years. Yeah. And I, I think so much changes, you know, throughout every stage, every year of life, our girls are literally like new people with different tastes and preferences. So what worked six months ago, what worked a year ago, it's like, they feel like an entirely different person, you know, but the work that's really stood out to both of us is a work of Dr. Lisa Miller, who is a Coconut Grove, Miami resident and also um, teaches at Columbia. And she found that when mother and child were both high in spirituality, the child was 80% more protected against depression compared with mothers and children who were not concordant for spirituality. So she's really brought to light this conversation of being high in spirituality and the results can apply to caretakers, to grandparents, to you know fathers. And I found it it's made a huge impact on kind of my role as a parent. And she has such a generous definition of spirituality where it can be organized religion. If that's something you respond to, it can be spending time in nature. It can be volunteering. It's really just this belief in something bigger than ourselves. And I, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how our whys have evolved over the years. And, you know, my why right now is this mental health epidemic and trying to raise girls who are resilient to the inevitable up and downs and who have the skills to, to cope in a world that's going to have highs and lows. 
And this idea of teaching our girls that everything's going to be okay, even if we don't know how, such an important part of, you know, what I want to impart in them, not that I'm doing this flawlessly every day, but she's had such a profound impact on kind of how we think about our girls. That's really beautiful. And that's, yeah, I love that. I love that mindset around incorporating that part of, of wellness and really setting them up for success, especially for girls. I, I, I had a little boy. I swore I was going to be a girl mom um, because I was like, I'm up for the challenge. I mean, it's, it's hard to be a human right now. It's hard to be a boy. Yeah. It's, it's hard to be a girl, but kind of no matter wherever you at, you're at on whatever parenting stage, what, what is true is that they're always watching, right? So we try to bring them to the gym so they can see us, you know, establishing healthy habits, watching us cook so that they see those life skills happening. They are little sponges who are absorbing it all in. If they see the healthy habits and their parents are going to, they're more likely to carry it through to their own lives. I really, I'm going to butcher this and I don't remember what the research is, but I believe like the health span of our children, particularly are on what our, the mamas are doing, you know, and how their mamas are moving. And I was, you know, and I, 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 again, I just briefly read an article and I was like, okay, good. I mean, I've been working out ever since I was pregnant and all the things. And so, um, but it's really interesting, like how a lot of how the moms operate in the world and with the type of wellness practices that we are doing, our children are really, their, their propensity for longevity is really uh, not, not that there's any more pressure on us. <laughs> to do all the things. The good and the bad. <laughs> Go figure. Um, so I know it's just, but I think both parents too, but my son is really, really always like, what's mama doing? What's, what's she doing? What's she eating? You know, it's like mama, mama coffee, you know, he knows when I'm making coffee. <laughs> so I want to move into, you know, given all of the, the interviews you've done, all the research you've looked at and all the contributors you've had and kind of where you have both landed on your own wellness journey and kind of that interception between doing things that are going to drive your health span, health span and longevity and kind of your whys for that. And I, and I have a feeling you guys both have really strong whys for why you want amazing to feel and live younger for as long as possible. But then also, what does that look like in terms of kind of, you know, what are the interception of joy and really implementing the habits that are going to have you live as as long as possible for not only for your girls, but for your grandchildren and, and all the reasons that is your why. Yeah. So my, my why in health and wellness, you know, started from one of those near catastrophic breakdown moments. And, you know, my, one of my many hopes in writing the book is that, you know, we can ask ourselves when, when is it time to make a change to our lives and not have to wait until that universe has one of those breakdown moments to kind of self-evaluate everything and then, you know, lead to those breakthrough moments. But I had one of those breakdown to breakthrough moments, um, about 10 years ago when I had a pulmonary embolism. And I was, you know, kind of fit and healthy on the outside, doing what you do when you're in your early 30s in New York, had a corporate job, worked hard. And I think my idea of joy at that moment in time was, you know, getting drinks and, you know, doing the things you do in New York. And what I wish for, for so many women out there is that they can listen to the whispers in their body before you have that catastrophic event because I do think the body and the nervous system gives us clues when we're out of calibration. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to kind of gaslight those symptoms. And I had 
I had left um, Tara Styles' Sunday morning, 11 a.m. yoga class, which was my ritual at the time. And I was very out of breath. And so I had Jason join me in the city and we walked around for a bit and I was like, I need to go home. So we took the train home and I collapsed on the stairs getting out of the station, eventually got out of the station, but then gaslit those symptoms and, you know, didn't want to go to the NYU ER on a Saturday. So I was like, I'm fine. I was lethargic and napping the rest of the weekend. And then come Monday morning, Jason was like, the only way you can go to work is if you go to your doctor on the way. So within minutes of arriving at my doctor's office, it was very clear that I was having a pulmonary embolism. He gave me a sign that said, I'm having a pulmonary embolism. It wasn't clear if he was worried about me getting to the ER or not being able to articulate what was happening once I got there. But that for me started this very long healing journey. I learned that I had catastrophic clots in my lungs and it is a process to work out the clots. And it's one of those true invisible illnesses where you look okay on the outside, but I was very much struggling to breathe on the inside. And I would remember being on the subway train and almost you know, kind of eyeing senior citizens for the chairs because it was so important for me to be able to sit and get <laughs> and, and be able to breathe in the hot and humid New York summer. And that was the start of this long journey of realizing, okay, my life is clearly out of calibration. Let me embark on this Marco Polo game of trying to get it back into equilibrium and trying everything Western, everything holistic, and really just had this wonderful openness to trying new things. And I was at a life stage where I I didn't have kids, you know, had kind of decided to deprioritize all of work after this event happened. And so had this luxury of time to have what was a very inefficient journey to figuring out what my body needed, not just to survive, but to truly thrive. And when I look at the joy of well-being, it is the roadmap I wish I had there to go on a much more efficient journey to figure out what my body needed. And after all of, you know, this kind of work that is my joy and passion in life as well, you know, it's so much of the fundamentals. Our mutual friend, JJ Virgin has this great line that you got to bake the cake before you can focus on the frosting. And so much of the needle movers in our world are the fundamentals that we can all agree on, you know, breath, sleep. We talked a little bit about nutrition earlier, connection, and this idea of something bigger. So, my why now is is really focused on kind of this awareness that by any metric, we have more wellness in the world than we've ever had. $450 billion industry growing at 5% a year, but all the metrics are really bad. Yeah, I was going to say, it's crazy to me. Like for as much as we have of all this information and content and research, ooh, it's not looking, it's not looking good for so many of us. Like my sister, who's younger than me, she's 40, she had a stroke this year. You know, and so, you know, it's just, and then I, uh, you know, just thinking about like, um, I have, I have Hajimoto's, I have an autoimmune condition and, uh, and this was the year I was going to get metabolically fit and for my son, for my family, I was, my numbers were going to look, and the numbers look great, but I was going to, but Gabrielle Lyon is one of my best friends in the whole world. And she's just like, girl, it's time to start increasing those weights. You know what I'm saying? And so around the same time, my, my thyroid medication got adjusted and dropped because we thought maybe I didn't need as much. Um, I hired her personal trainer and I have been what I call in a ditch, uh, a, a chronic fatigue ditch since April. And I thought it was the over I thought I overexercised myself into a ditch. And no, it was, we realized it was probably a combination of that. And my, I, we lowered my thyroid medication too much. And I just fell into this deep chronic fatigue state 
that I'm cr- trying to crawl out of. And it's my, I mean, I'm like, I was doing all the things. I mean, I was checking all the boxes. I was going to bed right after my son went to bed. You know, all the, like, I was thinking about your sleep chapter. And I was like, check, 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 check. Like, I start my sleep routine when I wake up in the morning. I'm outside within an hour, you know, like, I'm, and it's so hard to do all of it. And I was like, how is it that I feel like crap right now? And <laughs> six months into the year, it's it's mind-blowing to me, like, you know, with the, all the research and all the things, and, and yet we can just find ourselves not not feeling very well resourced today, more than ever. And and so even the people that are trying so hard, I'd like to say that I'm one of those try-hard people. <laughs> That's why I feel like your book was such a breath of fresh air. It came to me at such a really important time where I was really struggling, and despite all the things I knew to be true... And I just couldn't put my thumb on it, you know? You know, I think sometimes, look, life is full of seasons. And sometimes we go through seasons that are a little bit more difficult. There are no good answers. You just kind of got to like stay the course and and push through. It's very, it's easy for me to say that. But having gone through some of those moments, it, they, you know, you just got to kind of stay the course, uh, believe things will get better and and hope for the best. And they usually do. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they usually do. And I know you have a, I was just thinking about you, Jason, when, when I was, you know, my sister going through her journey and so many family members, my, a lot of the men in my life have had quadruple or triple bypasses in their early fifties and, um, you know, and, the, and women relatively being protected up into a certain point, And then we just kind of fall off a cliff ourselves. And so it's really, it was really interesting, you know, just having that around in my sphere and, and thinking about, how do we maintain longevity and how do we do it in regards to our own personal, you know, non-negotiables? And that's why I think you guys have done such a great job because, again, if you hate it, you're not going to do it that long, you know, or if you hate it, it's just going to really suck, you know. And so that was another piece of it that I thought you guys were so real about. They're like, yeah, these are some, these are also great things you can do, but if you hate it, you know, it's going to be really hard to sustain it. And so, you know, what were some things that you guys have found? Even, and I was thinking you guys have been in major journeys in the last 13 years, including the journey to, 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 to have these beautiful girls and then the, ju- the journey of being parents to young children, of, you know, and how that all looks and the reality of that, because that's, that's the reality. I mean, I know that so many people listening to us today are so well-intended and they're doing the best they can, you know, and, and yet they're not feeling super hot. Like, um, and I'm like, thank God I finally figured out, oh, maybe it's my medication. You know, <laughs> I gave myself such a hard time, you know, I was because I, you know, and then I was like, oh my gosh, how do I not know this? Like, I know this, these are the things I know to, you know, and so it's just really interesting just to hear your own personal journey in it, knowing the things that, you know, looking at your own health history and your family's history and the journey that you have been on kind of what has been decided for you. I get that it is bio-individual, but that I, I feel like you guys have really given yourselves a lot of grace and really touched into what feels good for you. Yeah, I think that we think that's important because in our world, there's a lot of guilt, there's a lot of shame, there are expectations, and it is a journey. And sometimes we need to do this too, remind ourselves, you need to be kind, you need to be empathetic, and there are seasons. And again, I think also on this note, Colleen meant, talked about the the frosting 
and the cake, we tend to get caught up on the frosting. And we do this. I'm wearing an aura, a whoop, and we sleep on an eight sleep mattress. So like, I like the frosting, <laughs> but you have to focus on the fundamentals through it all. And that's just something I lose sight of, we lose sight of, and I think an important reminder for everyone. Yeah. And it, it, it is the fundamentals. That's the under kind of pinning of, of everything we do. And, you know, it isn't this, you know, journey to get to well-being, and then it's great and life kind of stops. It's a journey filled with, you know, the inevitable ups and downs, whether you're in this space or, or, or not in this space. It's not a goal of getting to peak optimization and the and it's done. And I think giving ourselves and showing ourselves grace throughout this journey is is one of the most important things to do because, because of that something bigger. The, one of the last questions I want to ask you guys is, what is joy look like to you? How are you cultivating it with your, each other, within your family? Is there intentionality around creating and cultivating joy, not just within wellness, but just in general? It's been a, a mini obsession of mine this year to just feel that spontaneous joyfulness in a lot of the things that I'm doing in life. And I feel like like connections, it's very intentional. Like you got to practice it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I do think you have to be thoughtful about it or else you won't make time for those moments of joy. Moving to Miami has enabled us to be outdoors more, um, which has brought us a tremendous amount of joy. Um, while it was a wonderful move for our, our two children, I think it's been a, a good move for us as two humans who enjoy moving their bodies and being outside. So it's the simple joys of walking um, when you're not buttoned up in a um, really, really thick coat. I love pickleball. We need to play more of it here. Spending time on the beach um, and outside and grounding our feet. And, you know, speaking of the intention of it, we love getting multi-generational gatherings together. Jason's mom luckily spends a lot of time with us. And when we, you know, invite people over, it's typically with their kids too. And we love having, you know, lots of different people over to just break bread and have a good meal. Well, Double the walking. I love walking. If I don't get my 10,000 steps, I'm a grumpy dinosaur. Me too. Me too. And walking outside, walking in nature, like, ah, there is something so just energizing and it feels so alive and it feels like a, an amazing mental clearing. I love that you guys are having so many people over as well. Um, you know, and I was curious about that, the, you know, in the in real time. Is it barbecues? Is it you know, other families? You know, it's whatever we have to celebrate. We had a <laughs> we had a party for our daughter's birthday. Then we had a party for we had a couple parties for our book launch. Then we had another party for our daughter's birthday. So if there's a good excuse to celebrate something. We will celebrate it. Culturally, I think Miami loves to celebrate. So we have embraced that and, you know, celebrate with more, more joy than we did in other chapters of life. Mm, I love that so much. We just celebrated a half birthday. My son just turned two and a half. So yeah, any reason to get people together. We had a big bubble party and yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm always looking for a reason to have people over. Well, you guys, it was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for sharing your non-negotiables, your joy, this beautiful book with the world. I'm so excited to share. I've already been sharing it on Insta and I've been telling all my friends about it as well. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time. I know what it's like to birth a book baby. It's a process. Well, thank, <laughs> thank you, you so much. Thank you for all that you do. 
So in my conversation with Jason and Colleen today, did you experience some big aha moments or maybe things that you know and you're just like, oh yeah, that lands for me? I know I did. And I really did when I read the book, The Joy of Well-Being. I just had so many moments where the research and what they were recommending was so aligned with what I was already doing that I just felt, I felt very validated in my experience, but I also, there were areas that I knew that I could really lean to improving upon that would not only feel good to me, but I knew that it would ultimately really expand my well-being and my overall longevity. One of those things is, is spending more time with friends and family in real time. I do a lot of voice memos to friends and family. I do a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of FaceTime calls, but I realized that a lot of what I want to bring into not only the summer of 2023, but moving forward is spending more time in real life with the people that matter most to me, whether it's a casual dinner or going for a walk or getting together and going to the zoo together, because that's where I'm at in my journey right now. Like I'm literally packing up to go to the zoo in just a couple of minutes with Kingston, because that's what we're going to do this afternoon. And so just, you know, bringing people into the fold of what we're doing every single day so that I'm creating the kind of memories that will last a lifetime. And I know that I am supporting my oxytocin levels, my cortisol levels, and my overall hormone levels, right? Because for women, we tend and befriend, and there's no better way to really connect in and kind of lower our levels of stress and anxiety than when we're able to spend time with people in real life. Now, I just want to, I want to, in my heart of hearts, recommend this book to you because it cuts to the chase of what's most researched and what really needs to be a non-negotiable for you. That's what I love so much. And I know you gathered this from the conversation with Colleen and Jason today of like, do the thing that feels the best for you and do the things that, you know, based on the research and, and based where the juice is really worth the squeeze, kind of figure out that fine balance between the two. And then, you know, because again, if you hate working out, you know, you're probably never going to love, you know, maybe not never going to love it. And you're looking for other things. So what other ways can you support your body in moving your body that isn't going to the gym, right? And there's so many things that you can do out there. Maybe it's that you never plan to get to bed at an early hour. So what are some things that you can do instead during the day to support your mitochondria, your circadian rhythms, and your hormones? And, you know, if you're feeling a little bit more isolated today, the book really provides ways to reach out to friends and family that maybe you've lost touch with. Like, how can we get back into creating those connections versus having to make new friends? So those are just some recommendations or just some examples of what you will really get out of the book, right? They hit the major tenets. So they talk about movement. They talk about food. They talk about sleep and stress. And they talk about connection and purpose. Like, it is a lot of the tenants that we know for sure, but they do it in a way that not only do they present the research in terms of longevity and health span, but also, you know, deciding what's going to work for you, like getting really real about what is going to work for you. And I think that's what I find so refreshing about this book is that even though there's a lot of things that are super, super healthy to do, I don't necessarily want to do all of them. And so I'm super clear on, okay, what's going to really move the needle for me that I'm actually going to love to do so that I really want to do it every single day. I think that's really where we've got to figure that out for ourselves, each and every one of us. And obviously, every single one of us are bio-individuals, so we really got to connect into what is a non-negotiable for me. So again, I will have the link to check out the Joy of Wellbeing book. I listened to it on Audible one, one and a half times. 
That's a really easy way to do it. But obviously, you know, get it however way it works for you. And if you haven't checked out Mind Body Green recently, worth going and checking out the site. They always have so many incredible articles and so many great contributors there as well. So those are the two places to really just connect in with what's working best for you when it comes to your overall well-being. Now, if there was anything in the conversation today that really served you, please take a moment and subscribe to the show, even rate the show. That way more women can find this beautiful show to really step up to becoming the CEO of their health. Until the next episode, have an amazing day.